Oh, yeah. Get your snow cats ready and get over here. Right now? You're darn tootin'. Don't you know it's time for the governor's weekly address? Live from the office of Minnesota's number one sports authority. He's the governor of Sports Talk Radio, and by way of executive order, serving you a stimulating dose of sports done right. All right, how we doing out there, everybody? Thank you for joining us on another episode of Sports Done Right. My name is Vince Wright. You know me as the sports governor from the great and very cold state of Minnesota today. Uh, we are rocking out at about eight degrees below zero right now. But we got our situation room set up because we have a very special guest who's joining us today. And his name is Rashad Mitchell. Rashad is the author of many books um, on all kinds of different topics from hip hop to sports. Uh, now, we're going to talk to him about a very interesting book today about the 50 most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. So without further ado, let me introduce Rashad Mitchell. Rashad, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing great today. All right. Glad you're with us. And, and thank you uh, for getting in touch with us, too, because this is a very interesting topic, Rashad. So um, if you could, sir, tell, tell my crowd a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where'd you go to school, things like that. Yeah, um, my name is Rashad Mitchell. I'm from Patterson, New Jersey. Um, I, um, I graduated Eastside High School in uh, 1997, and uh, I graduated from college, St. Peter's College in Jersey City in um, 2003. So um, I don't know what else you want me to give out, but... Um, <laughs> no, um, that's, that's just fine. Yeah, I've been a self-published author since uh, 2004. I mean, excuse me, 2014, um, two years ago, I became a self-published author. I've written uh, currently um, 32 books. Um, wow. Also, um, I write for a magazine called the Gyroscope Media Group Magazine, which is under uh, GS Radio Umbrella, which is, um, you know, an internet radio station that's in Patterson, right. New Jersey, where I live at right now. So, okay, cool. All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Well, Rashad, um, you, well, you kind of got into the next question about the 30 books here. And uh, like I said, they've been on many topics here um, from hip hop to sports. But let's talk about this book that we're going to be talking about on my show here today. Uh, the top 50 underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, how did you pick this topic to write about? I picked it because... Well, I'm continuing like the theme of what I've done with my hip hop and my um, R&B books. You know, the underrated, the top 50 underrated. So I went in the top. I did the top 100 list too from the up in the, um, the R&B. So I used the underrated term, and I wanted to use it in the sports arena. So I you know I did one on the running backs, and I did one on the quarterbacks. And the wide receivers, that's that's already out right now. Um, got you know two, yes, two more that I have out now too. The tight ends and the offensive linemen. So, wow, yeah, you're covering it from all angles. Yeah, that yeah, I got. I'm gonna do it on the defense too, with the defensive linemen, the um, the linebackers and the cornerbacks. Yeah, I just wanted to know, continue on that theme 
of who I felt was underrated in the annals of NFL history, who I felt were underrated at their position. So the, the quarterbacks, just a, a theme that I use from, you know, the other books that I've written. So it's just a continuation of that. Okay, well, that sounds good. And I can tell the folks here um, from the list that we're about to get into, you've done a very, very uh, good job here, Rashad. And, you know, so let's do this here. What I'll do is I'll just start with number 50. I'll go to number 40. I'll just read the names off. And then we'll um, kind of talk about a couple along the way here because, yeah, this is a really fascinating list, and it brings back a lot of memories for me uh, growing up as well. So um, number 50, Rashad has Vinny Testaverde. Number 49, he has Mark Brunell. Number 48 is Archie Manning. Number 47 is Steve Grogan. Number 46 is Babe Perilli. Number 45 is the Polish canon Ron Jaworski. Number 44 is John Hadle. Number 43, Doug Williams. Number 40, uh, excuse me, number 42, whoops, where we go, Jeff Garcia from the Niners. Number 41 is Bobby Bear from the Saints. And number 40 is Jeff George from, uh, well, many teams, and he made a stop here in Minnesota as well. But let's start with Vinny Testaverde, Rashad. Um, you know, I, being a, a, a Hurricane fan as a child myself and, and really loving this guy here, uh, why don't you speak a little bit about Vinny? Because I, I, I do agree, his time and as time goes on, he seems to be kind of forgotten from the Cleveland lore when Cleveland was actually good for a minute. Yeah, um, he was a, a Hyman's Trophy winner for the University of Miami. And um, the thing about him is that he had a strong arm He's a big side, you know, big guy, strong guy. He just throw the football. I think he's one of the best throws of the football in NFL history. You know, he could really throw it really good. And um, he was drafted by Tampa Bay, but he had, like, some tough times there. But his best season was in 98. Like, with the Jets, he threw 29 touchdowns. Almost led him to the um, Super Bowl. But right, yeah, I remember that. Denver. So, um this guy was just you no know, great, you no know, quarter, you no know, good quarterback. Yeah, very well said. Now let's talk about number forty-eight, Archie Manning. Um, obviously, the kids today and the younger people. I mean, I'm forty-six years old, so I grew up kind of on the tail end of Archie's career. But I grew up watching a lot of highlights about him. Why don't you touch on him and and tell maybe the younger folks here uh, what made Archie Manning a special quarterback? Yeah, he was very highly titled, titled, I mean, excuse me, highly touted as a quarterback coming out of um, Ole Miss. In 1971, he was um, drafted by the New Orleans Saints. He's a two-time pro bowler. He's one of the few marquee players on a bad team. Um, in 1972, right. he and pass attempts, completions, and the NFC, and passing yards. He won NFC Player of the Year in 1978. Now, he just played on a lot of bad teams. He never, I don't think he played in the playoffs. So he was productive. He threw 125, no touchdowns. So, yeah, he was really good. You know, he was very big time coming out of college. 
Yeah, and I know the folks down south, you know, being from the New Orleans area, this is where he's from. I know they love him down there, and uh, he's a guy down in Mississippi. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he just played for literally one of the worst organizations in uh, sports history because the Saints were not today's Saints people back in the uh, 80s, late 70s. Uh, They were horrible. And the only player they had worth watching, to be quite honest, was Archie Manning. So uh, let's talk a little bit. um, And again, we're here with Rashad Mitchell, the author of The 50 uh, Underrated uh, NFL Quarterbacks here. And uh, Rashad, why don't you speak a little bit about Ron Jaworski? Again, another player who people, and especially today's um, youth, know more from the ESPN side of things. But uh, Ron Jaworski is a very good quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, he's a one-time uh, Pro Bowler. Um, he put you know, the, you know the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders, but you know they lost the Oakland Raiders. But he's a um, the UPI Offensive Player of the Year in 1980. You know, a second-round pick from Youngstown State in 1973. Actually, he played with the Los Angeles Rams first. Right, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, before he became a, you know an Eagle, he was a durable quarterback. He held the record for most, you know, consecutive starts by a starting quarterback, which is what was which was um 116, and then he tied the NFL record for um you know the longest touchdown pass, 99 yards overtime pass to uh, wide receiver Mike Quick. In oh, okay. Falcons. So he threw 179 touchdowns in his career including 170 regular season touchdowns. So he was a good quarterback. You know, he's not Montana, Marino. Right, yeah, absolutely. Or anybody like that, but he held his own. He did his thing. Yeah, absolutely, and he led him to the Super Bowl that one year. It was just that they ran into um, the Los Angeles Raiders team uh, with Jim Plunkett, Marcus Allen, and unfortunately nobody was going to beat I, I them was, that I year. Marcus Allen was not a team. That was oh, like, no. Yeah, Mark Allen came in 1981, 82. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad. But, yeah, I do remember, though, when they did lose to uh, Los Angeles or the Raiders there in that yeah. Super Bowl. But, yeah, he he was a real good quarterback. Uh, he had Harold Carmichael to throw to, um, yeah. six foot eight receiver, which was unheard of at that time. So That's the right. Eagles were a lot of fun. You know, uh, Wilbur Montgomery as well in the backfield. So makes him underrated is that um, Jaworski was a durable quarterback. He was an Iron Man. Like right. You, that's a, a very good point. Yeah, he started you know, a lot of games, so that makes him underrated right there. I mean, Montana didn't do this. It wasn't Marino that did this. It wasn't Elway. It was Jaworski. This guy, game in, game out, you knew he was going to be in the starting lineup. Look about Crook. He's going to be on the center for the Eagles and do his thing, so that makes him underrated. Yep, good point. Okay, uh, Rashad, now let's talk about one of my favorites going back here. And, you know, uh, Doug Williams being the first African-American to, to win that Super Bowl title. Um, you know, he has a very unique legacy in the NFL. So let's speak about him. You know, he, he started down at Grambling, uh, the historically black university, where, quite honestly, not a lot of quarterbacks were coming from, and he was able to get through and uh, get to the highest of uh, levels. So let's talk a little bit about Doug Williams. Uh, what did your research find on him? Yeah, Doug Williams was, uh, well, before he became a Washington Redskin, 
he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, basically, I mean, he was a guy that really came into his own even more as a Redskin, becoming the first black to play in the Super Bowl. But above all that, I think what makes him underrated is performance in Super Bowl 22, to me, makes him underrated because he threw for 340 um, touchdowns. That's right, yeah, that's a lot of touchdowns. No, no, wait, wait, sorry. 340 yards in the Super Bowl I'm talking about. The Super Bowl. Right, okay, not, okay. Not the, um, I'm, I'm, that's my mistake, 340 passing yards in the Super Bowl 22. And um, he created, he met, that was a record at the time as an uh, NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl because nobody in the Super Bowl threw for that many yards, 340 yards. And he threw four touchdowns, I think, and a half, I think one and one quarter and stuff like that. So, to me, his performance is underrated. I don't well, think people yeah. how, you know, clear of a performance that he had at that time in that Super Bowl. I mean, he really put up a lot of big numbers. He got played John Elway in that Super Bowl. So that's the thing that's impressive about Doug Williams is that he threw 340 passing yards and he threw four touchdowns. I mean, this guy was on point. Very well said. And the other thing that people forget about that game too, Rashad, is that he went down with a knee injury and like I can't remember if it was the first or second quarter. He got bent backwards on his knee and had to come out for a couple plays. Uh, yeah, and uh, Jay Schrader actually came back in, uh, who Doug replaced, and uh, he came back in. But Doug came back in, and obviously the rest is history. And, you know, to get his start down in Tampa Bay, and, uh, and you know, he also bought, um, you know, uh, I would say respectability to Tampa Bay as a quarterback as well because, yeah, they did suffer a lot of losses, but it wasn't necessarily on the shoulders of their quarterback, Doug Williams. Yeah, 1979, um, Williams led, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the NFC Championship game, but they lost to the Los Angeles Rams. So he did some good things, you know. It's just that he's underrated. That's obvious, you know. He's never going to be mentioned in the conversation as not one of the best quarterbacks. But he did his thing. Right. He, threw for 100, he threw 100 touchdown passes in his career, you know, one Super Bowl MVP. He is one of, the, like, the greatest Redskins ever to play for the Redskins, so no, that's not bad. You know, when you when you throw four touchdowns in the game in the Super Bowl twenty two and then throw for a record at the time three hundred and forty yards. Right, absolutely. Set a record for most touchdowns in a quarter, four touchdowns in a single quarter and four and a half. You know, that's that nobody never did that. No quarterback, Montana, Elway, Brady, you name it, Manning, they never did nothing like this. So that's what makes him even more underrated as a quarterback because of what he accomplished in Super Bowl 22. So not just that he was, you know, the first black to be in the Super Bowl as a quarterback, but the performance, I think, I think that alone makes him underrated. Yeah. You don't talk about that performance that much. You talk about the great performances, I think it kind of gets under overlooked. Oh, I to- yeah, I totally agree with that. Nobody really talks about Doug Williams and his performance when you, just like you said, Rashad, when you talk about the Super Bowls gone past there. Absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely had to put him on a list. That was, that was easy. That wasn't like a difficult 
difficult thing. Right. Well, let's do this here. We're at number 40, and his name is Jeff George. Now, I'm up here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, Jeff George came through here. He relieved Randall Cunningham after uh, Randall kind of started tanking after the uh, infamous 98 season with our Vikings. But Jeff George is really a unique case in uh, attitude. He he has talent, but for some reason, just never really seemed to really click all together. You know, he, he was real close in Indianapolis. But uh, what do you think about Jeff George? Oh, yeah, this guy was heralded as a number one pick overall by Indianapolis Colts. He's more like a journeyman. You know, he played with so many different teams. But the thing that I like about him, I remember him very well. He had a great arm. He's one of those, the best pinpoint active passers in his NFL history. <clears throat> you know, he could definitely throw it. But I think <clears throat> what got him in trouble, I think he was like a coach's killer. You know, he did not get along with a lot of coaches, but I think that's was like his pet peeve as a quarterback. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Like, he didn't get along, I don't think, with the um, – I think some comes to my mind was he got into an argument with June, June Jones. Right, coach, yes, uh, yep. Falcons. It was on national television. And he just got into an argument with him. Yeah, I don't think he got along well with the coaches. It's just that he was physically talented, but as far as, like, his IQ, you know, this maturity, it just wasn't there. That was his issue here in Minnesota as well, Rashad. So, yeah, yeah. that's spot-on analysis there. Yeah, so he had the physical tools. You know, he was an all-time – he had a position to be an all-time great, but he wasn't. So, but his best times was with Oakland – at the Oakland Raiders. Um, he threw 29 touchdowns in 1997, threw for 154 touchdowns, including – 27,602 passing yards. So he, he did his thing. Just that well, when I look at his career as a whole, he should have been a great quarterback. Right. Great he quarterback. really should have. He wasn't that. So, but he's still underrated. That's true. All right. Well, folks, let's kick it into the 30s here. We'll keep moving here. And, again, we are with um, author Rashad Mitchell. Again, he has wrote the tip, or the top 50 underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. He has a plethora of other books, and um, we're going to get in um, towards the end of the interview here. We're obviously going to let you know how you can get in touch and get a copy of these books from Rashad. But um, a lot of fun reading here. So let's go with number 39, who is Roman Gabriel. 38 for all us Vikings fans out there, Big Joe Cap. Number 37 is John Brody, who went on to uh, actually have a pretty good career on the uh, television mic as well. Number, let's see, 36 is Sonny Jurgensen. 35 is Mark Rippon. Number 34 is Jeff Hostetler. Number 33 is Steve DeBerg. Number 32, Jim Everett. Number 31 is George Blanda. And number 30 is Drew Bledsoe. And Rashad, I'd like to jump a little bit towards the uh, kind of the, the front side of this list here. And I want to start with Jeff Hostetler with the New York Giants. Um, for folks who are not familiar with Jeff Hostetler, why don't you fill them in on his backstory, uh, what he did with the New York Giants that you're uh, coming in for an injured Phil Sims and uh, leading them to a Super Bowl victory, uh, nothing shorter than, than uh, incredible. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, Jeff Hofstad was, was a very good quarterback. Um, the 1990 Giants were a very good team. You know, they could have been great, but they had some struggles late in the, um, the season. Uh, they started the season, I think, at the time, 10-0. And, oh, and then um, Sims gets hurt against Buffalo. And Hofstad would just come in and just do his thing. At the time, people wrote off the Giants because Hofstad was in as quarterback. But the thing that's underrated about Hosteller was his mobility, his ability to move out of the pocket and run, you know, run the bootleg plays and all that. Sims wasn't that kind of, you know, quarterback. So anyway, he did his thing against Chicago at 31-30. Then he led the um, the Giants down the field against the 49ers when they was trying to win a three three consecutive Super Bowls, which didn't happen. Um, set up a field goal for Matt Barney, hit a kick a field goal and won 15 to 13. Then in Super Bowl 21, oh, excuse me, two, Super Bowl 25, he completed 20 yards, 32 for 221 yards, touchdown and, and zero interceptions. And this this performance by ESPN, they rank his performance as the, the 30th best quarterback performance in Super Bowl history. So. He did his thing, and as an Oakland Raider, he continued to be, you know, productive. Yeah, I think that's a good word because the people, um, obviously, they remember the New York Giants side. But, yeah, he did con- continue out there in Oakland. Yeah, he um, in the playoff when he, uh, see, he threw three touchdowns and 294 yards passing in a playoff game against um Denver and Los Angeles. This when there was the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, and he played very well in the postseason because his resume is very, uh, very impressive. When you look at he, in the five playoff games, he threw seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. So this guy was a definite uh, good quarterback. You know, this guy made it happen. Yes, he did. Yeah, now he let me. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rashad. Finish your thought, please. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I'm finished. Um, yeah, he was, the thing that Stanley does, he was just so impressive with his um, ability to play well in big games, whether it's with the Giants or with the Raiders. Okay, all right. Now, I have a real interest in Jim Everett here. Um, you know, he's, again, kind of one of them woulda, coulda, shoulda guys. Um, yeah. he's, he's, he's probably more known for getting in the tuffle with Jim Rome back in the day than, uh, playing, yeah, than playing football with the, you know, at the time, Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, being a Big Ten guy myself, you know, I'd love to give a little shout out to, uh, Big Ten quarterbacks, especially from Purdue, because, you know, Purdue football is really hurting right now. But why don't you tell the folks a little bit about Jim Everett and what he meant to the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, definitely. Um, matter of fact, Houston Oilers um, at the time drafted him, but they traded his rights to the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, I did. Wow. And, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I have in the write-up. Yeah, he was drafted by the Houston Oilers, and um, they traded his rights to the Rams. He played eight years for the Rams, and he did pretty good. You no, know, they he, they could have been a Super Bowl, you no know, champion, but they ran to the Forty Nine ers. So he led them to playoffs. In 1986, 1988, and 89, and um, he was very good. You know, he 
performed well enough to be among the league leaders in pass attempts, completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. You know, he had a pretty productive career. Yeah. Yards, excuse me, 203 touchdown passes and threw for 34,837 passing yards. So he, he did his thing. It's just that he just did not put, you know, put it all together. Because he had the size and he had the arm strength and he had, you know, big time receivers around him Henry Ellard and Flipper Anderson. Yeah, Flipper, and right. Anderson. And, I mean, he had everything, you know, had pretty good defense on the other side, Kevin. I mean, so it's like, you know, he, it's not it's all, it's all his fault, but he could have been a great quarterback, but he's not. But he was really good. Yes, he was. And, you know, let's talk on number 30 here. Um, Drew Bledsoe. A lot of people know the name. A lot of people know he was the man before Tom Brady came in. But Drew Bledsoe was a very good quarterback, um, helped get the team to the Super Bowl, um, you know, he's going to be remembered for obviously one of the biggest um, um, things of fate in NFL history by getting injured and this kid named Tom Brady coming in and running with it and becoming arguably the greatest quarterback ever. But um, Drew Bledsoe, you know, he threw for a lot of yards. He he had a lot of success in New England. So why don't you fill my uh, listeners in on Mr. Bledsoe, Rashad? Yeah, Drew Bledsoe, man, before Tom Brady, there was – Drew Bledsoe, number one overall, number one pick in the draft in 1993. I think the best moment of his career was he had a comeback from a deficit of 20 to three against the Minnesota Vikings on November. Don't remind me. <laughs> Don't remind me. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry about that, but you no, know, he won. Yeah, they won 26 to 20. He set records of what pass attempts for 70 passing attempts. He had. 45 completions, he became the second quarterback to complete 400 or more passes in a season. You know, he led the league in passing yardage, um, 96, led the, um, the Patriots to the Super Bowl, but he lost to Green Bay. And Bessel was the first quarterback to complete game-winning touchdown passes in the final 30 seconds of two consecutive games. So, you know, Montana, Brady, you know, the big-name quarterbacks never did nothing like that. And they were great in the clutch. So um, right. he, he was a very good quarterback for his time through and through. It's just that, you know, he was just, you know, just a good, a good underrated quarterback. He wasn't great, but he was good. Yeah, and that's the thing on this list. And, you know, that's why I'm glad that you contacted me, Rashad, because once I started reading through your uh, manuscript that you sent me and really thinking about some of these names again, you realize just how many – good to borderline great quarterbacks have actually come through this league. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote the book, because I wanted to, like, really highlight the quarterbacks that were good but never became, you know, great. You're going to have that in any, you know, sport. You know, guys who had the potential to being good. I mean, being a great right. quarterback, but they, it just never came about. But I think, um, hey, you, it is what it is. That's why the list was made. Right, and it's a good list. And by the way, I mean, you do got great quarterbacks on this list. I mean, oh, great yeah. quarterbacks are definitely underrated quarterbacks as well. So I'm going to go through the list of the 20s here. Um, we're going to start at number 29 with Dan Fouts. 28 is Warren Moon. 27, Dandy Don Meredith. 
26, good old Lynn Dickey for all you Packer fans out there. Uh, 25, Steve Barkowski down there in Atlanta. Jim Plunkett down um, number 24 for the Patriots and Raiders. The Snake, Kenny Stabler, uh, rest is, rest in peace there with his recent passing. And number 22, we got Joe Theismann. Number 21, Norm Van Brocklin. And number 20, Fran Tarkington. And, uh, you know, again, being a Minnesota guy, uh, I, I actually remember having a Super Bowl party, watching my parents set up, and actually watching the last time the Vikings were in the Super Bowl, Rashad. So let me just kind of jump ahead here, um, and I'll come back to a couple of these guys. But I want to start with Fran Tarkington at number twenty. Um, you know, he's a um, you know multi Pro Bowl player. He's a Hall of Famer. But why is Fran Tarkington an underrated quarterback? I think because of the fact that you know he wasn't the biggest guy. You know, he's a mad scrambler. And I think what it is that when you look at his career. He, he's a guy that really set a lot of records that will will be later broken by you know other quarterbacks like Dan Marino. Um, he broke, I think he set the record for most career touchdown passes in 1995 against the Colts. I think in '95, but he had through like 347 career touchdowns, I think. And um, I just think that he don't get the credit, you know, for what he did. I mean, you look at his ability to avoid sacks. In the pocket, you know, he won three championships in the NFC. Right. Um, he's concluded at one of two quarterbacks ever rush for at least 300 yards in seven different years. You know, he had a lot, held a lot of records when he retired. You know, passing yards, passing touchdowns, pass attempts, completions, and wins by a starting quarterback. You know, he's one of the best quarterbacks of the 70s. I mean, that's just no self-explanatory when you look at, you know, the contributions that he made you know, stand out, should stand out, but I just don't think he gets enough credit. You know, plus he won league MVP in 1975, and it was a nine-time Pro Bowl. So he got a lot of records that would let be broken. See, that's the thing about him being underrated, because the records that were broken, it was set by him. The majority of the, the passing, you know, records was yards, touchdowns, completion attempts, wins by a quarterback. I mean, this guy was the guy. Oh, yeah, he was. And, I mean, you know, being a Vikings guy, um, everybody loved Fran Tarkington. Um, Apparently, from how people uh, remember him, Fran Tarkington will let you know that he is underrated himself. But, you know, he he did a lot of things, unfortunately. Um, You know, he went to three Super Bowls, and, you know, they lost. uh, They lost four overall, three with him. But uh, Fran Tarkington, like you said, his ability – to scramble was phenomenal. Nobody, I think, other than Roger Staubach at the time was a better scrambler. And, um, you know, he had decent wide receivers. He never really had super great receivers up here in Minnesota. Um, But what they did, you know, was incredible. So I totally agree. Fran Tarkington, very underrated. Yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself. I mean, he definitely represented that, man, like, you know, he, he should have should be held heralded as, you know, a greater quarterback in today's time, but it's not the case, you know. Some people just get overshadowed, some people get the love and some people don't, but that's why the book was written, to just shed light on people who were underrated and never got the credit. And I think he gets the credit to this day. I mean he don't he doesn't get the credit. 
Right, no, he does so, not. So his contributions that he made, I mean, it's, it's incredible, it's amazing. Right. Now, let's talk about number 28, Warren Moon. Again, um, you know, Warren coming from the University of Washington and playing quarterback at a time when that was not a popular uh, position, so to speak, for, for black men. Uh, deserving to be drafted by the NFL, but back then there were still a lot of racial overturns with black quarterbacks. Had to go uh, find his way by way of the uh, Canadian Football League. But why don't you fill folks in, uh, Rashad, on Warren Moon? And, you know, again, what he, we got him up here in Minnesota for a while, but he really obviously made his tracks with Houston. So let's talk a little bit about Warren Moon, and it really because he really had a struggle to uh, get to where he got. Yeah, um, this guy is the epitome of, like, a late bloomer in a sense. You know, he, you know, came a long way from the CFL, and he just paid his dues to be an effective quarterback. But, again, at the same time, he's not up there with the greats. Now, he's not going to be mentioned, but he did great things with the run-and-shoot offense with the Houston Oilers. Um his best season by far was in 1990. He threw 33 touchdowns. 33 th- he threw 33 touchdowns, and it was a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it was at Kansas City where he threw for 527 touchdowns. That was the that performance was the second most passing yards ever in a game, 527. And um, he's a nine-time Pro Bowler. He won the NEA NFL MVP in 1990, including Offensive Player of the Year the, the same year. No, he threw 291 touchdowns. Overall, no, he's a good, as good a quarterback for his time. And also, what they so, did, well, what I was going to say, Rashad, and the other thing that they incorporated back in Houston. Uh, which was called back then the old run-and-shoot offense, which was you know the predecessor to today's kind of spread offenses that are commonplace. So I really think you know Warren was truly ahead of his time in that sense as well. Yeah, but there was other offenses that was doing the same thing, like um, Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions. Yeah, Detroit was too, but yeah, not man. quite as effectively as Warren and those boys were yeah, doing oh, it no down doubt. there. I mean, yeah, Haywood Jeffries, Ernest Givens, Chris Duncan, Drew Hill. I mean, they had, he had a prefer of great, you know, off, you know, offensive weapons around him. And, I mean, and their running game wasn't that much of a factor. I mean, they just threw, threw the ball over the lap. The only thing that's negative is that they didn't win a Super Bowl. I mean, they should have won at least one Super Bowl, especially in 92. Now, you can't get blamed for them losing that 32-point lead right. that 92 season. Against the Buffalo Bills, I mean that's one of the worst. That's the worst loss ever for a team in the playoffs to lose a game when you were up thirty-five to three. I mean you should they should have won that game. And, and Moon did it, did what he was supposed to do. And I don't know the actually the exact you know numbers that he put up, but it speaks for itself. I mean you were up thirty-five three. The offense is doing your, the job. The defense didn't do their job, which is amazing to me. So. They went into the bucket. Um, it, it, one of the obviously most incredible games that anybody will ever see. And anybody out there, definitely check out that new 30 for 32 on that, all, those Buffalo teams as well. 
So, folks, again, well, just wanted to touch base. You're listening to Sports Done Right. We are on with Rashad Mitchell. He is the author of the 50 under, or excuse me, the top 50 underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. And we'll get to how you can find this book and get a copy of it yourself. Uh, Rashad is a uh, author of many different books, over 30 books here on all kinds of topics. And we'll talk to him a little bit here towards the end um, about his other endeavors as well. But Rashad, one more guy I want to touch in on the uh, in the 20s here before we move the list along is Jim Plunkett. Uh, just kind of historically the first Native American uh, quarterback really that that went on to do something um, and not only that he you know he he was real good in New England or maybe it was the Boston Patriots back then but obviously came back and really resurrected his career and won a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Raiders um, let's speak a little bit on Jim Plunkett there uh, the guy he came out of Stanford yeah um, Plunkett was heralded as a big time uh quarterback coming out of Stanford, the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, but he had his ups and downs in the league, you know, the ups and downs and everything just came into fruition. He became a uh, Oakland Raider, and they won the Super Bowl, actually two Super Bowls, and played pretty good in those Super Bowls. So to me, you know, it's self-explanatory. This guy is the only eligible quarterback who won, you know, two Super Bowls, but is not in the Hall of Fame. That's so, crazy to me. I mean, and I know that there's been a uh, an effort over the past years to get him in by many of the his old teammates and players and people who are in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, that really is striking to me that Jim Plunkett is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, when you look at it, Again, he ain't wild with the numbers, but the bottom line is this guy won. He won two Super Bowls, and he's still not considered a Hall of Famer. And plus, he won more than Stabler did, you know. And he did more; he was more productive than him. But right. yeah, he's the only you know quarterback who was eligible for the Hall of Fame despite winning two Super Bowls. And um, he won AFC Rookie of the Year in '71 as a um, New England Patriot. I think he was a Patriot first, and then he um, threw three, no three touchdowns in Super Bowl fifteen. Um, he's I think he's a Latino. I don't think he's native. Maybe he might be. According to the research, I put him down that he was the first minority as a Latino to win Super Bowl okay. MVP. So I you know yeah I could have sworn that uh, it was Native American, but you know yeah let's both look into that. But regardless, let, yeah we'll just use the term minority because he he did mean a lot to all non-white quarterbacks of that day. Yeah, and he became the second of four players to win the Heisman Trophy and Super Bowl MVP. So and plus he was good. Like um, just hostile. Remember when I brought up about how he played well in the postseason? I mean, Jim Plunkett was eight and two in the postseason, and he threw 164 touchdowns in his career. So think about that. He's a big, underrated, big game quarterback when it mattered. You won a big game. Hey, Jim Plunkett was that guy to make a play. You know, to do great things in the postseason. This guy only lost twice in the postseason, eight and two. 
And I think with Big Jim, too, I think, you know, the issues he had maybe off the field, he kind of had that lull in his career before he came back with the Raiders and did what he did. So I think that may contribute, Rashad, maybe to why he gets lost in the annals of quarterback history. I'll repeat that again. Well, what I was saying is I think because he kind of had a little span between, you know, his Patriots career and then when he kind of came back with the Raiders, I think yeah. that's that's part of the reason why he gets lost in the overall scheme. Yeah, because he played with the Patriots and then he went to the 49ers. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. That's the thing that's interesting about this guy. I mean, imagine if he would, you know, did his thing. He wouldn't hurt him, you know. Joe Montana, but hey, things happen, and yeah, he should be in all the same, but he probably might never get in, unfortunately, but hey, it is what it is. Yes, that's true, and again, you're listening to Sports Done Right, and again, we have uh, Rashad Mitchell here. Um, he is an author of many books on many different topics. We're talking about the top 50 underrated quarterbacks in the NFL here today, and we have Rashad on for a few more minutes, so let's get into the teens here. And for the folks that are listening, obviously this is a list of 50. There's so much to talk to Rashad about, but what I would like to do, and Rashad, we can talk in the future, is I'd love to have you on our live show. And again, just to get into your other books as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I like this I like this interview, man. I like what's going on, and definitely, definitely going to be on your show once, you know, second time around. All right, we appreciate that. All right, so let's get through these teens here. So at number 19, we got Y.A. Tittle. Number 18 is Lynn Dawson. Number 17, Rich Gannon. Number 16 is Randall Cunningham. Number 15 is Bob Greasy. Number 14 is Charlie Connerly. Number 13 is Jim Hart. Number 12 is Jack Kemp. Number 11 is Phil Sims. And we'll kind of cut it there, and we'll get into the top ten here in a little bit. In a little bit, but let me touch on um, a couple guys here because of their Minnesota ties. Um, let's start with Rich Gannon. We'll get into Randall Cunningham next, Rashad. But Rich Gannon, uh, why don't you fill us in? Because I think he came from the University of Delaware or something. And he came in and, you know, he won over Vikings fans. He was a very, very productive quarterback. He was one very bad call or play away in New England from going to the Super Bowl with the Raiders. So what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Rich Gannon? Yeah, another late bloomer. He's the epitome of that. Yeah, um, Rich Gannon. Um, played with a lot of teams, the Vikings, the Redskins, the Chiefs, the Raiders, but the Raiders is where he made his mark, truly. He won, according to research, he won two league MVPs in 2000 and 2002. Um, in 2002, he threw 28 touchdowns, led the Raiders to the Super Bowl. He set franchise, franchise records, like most completions and attempts, passing yards, highest completion percentage, for his career and season at most 300-yard passing games. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, a two-time AFC Offensive Player of the Year, um, a three-time AFC Player of the Year as well. So his best years was when he was a Raider, but he's, you know, you know a guy that had you no know, pay his due. He went through a few other teams until he came to the Raiders. Now things really started to come full circle for him. So 
he wasn't like you no know, heralded as a quarterback. I don't think coming out of college, so um, that's that's what it is with him. Right, and he he you know he was one of the players too. He seemed to really earn the respect of his teammates. I know he's very well thought of back here in Minnesota. He actually comes on. Uh, once a week to uh, KFAN, uh, the main sports station here in the Twin Cities area, and uh, goes on with uh, one of our hosts up here. So people still love Rich Gannon up here. He still does some stuff with the Vikings and does uh, some outside consulting. So that's why I really wanted to touch on him because he really has a lot of love up here uh, in the uh, Twin Cities there, Rashad. But let's move on now over to to Randall Cunningham, a very popular quarterback, uh, very dynamic, I, you know, rushing for over a thousand yards, throwing the ball everywhere, um, you know, and then coming out of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, of all places. I mean, why don't you speak on him? Because he is really one of my favorite players over the past 30 years in the NFL. Yeah, Randall Cunningham was Cam Newton before Cam Newton. Exactly, yup. Yeah, because his ability to scramble around the pocket now and throw accurate passes. But the thing about Randall, he wasn't as physical, like, for his strength, like body mass-wise compared to Randall. Randall was, like, slender, very thin, but he can, you know, do his thing. I think he came to his own in 88. Um, he went to the Pro Bowl. It was the first time that there was a black quarterback to start in the pro bowl, he was the first guy in 84, 88. And um, during that, I think during that season in 88 against the Giants on a Monday night, Carl Banks of the Giants, the linebacker, went for his knees, but Cunningham bounced off and threw a touchdown by um, tight end uh, Jimmy Giles. Yeah, one of the most underrated plays I've ever seen. Yeah, one of the great plays on Monday night football, and – that was like his coming out party to the world that this guy was a star, going to be a star. And then he used to give the Giants a lot of trouble. Um, he punted 91 yards against the Giants, I think, in 89, the following year. He was the ultimate, you know, weapon in the NFL. And when you look at what he did in, in the, the next year, in 1990, it was another game against the Buffalo Bills where he threw out of the end zone. He was about to be sacked by Bruce Smith, but he – got out of that from his blind side and he threw a 60 yard threw 60 yards to wide receiver Fred Barnett and he came down when he went 95 yards for a touchdown so this guy was a four time pro bowler a three time MVP according to the research three time MVP um, with the Minnesota Vikings he resurrected his career absolutely yeah we love him we love him <laughs> yeah <laughs> 34 touchdowns it's no better than that. So, you know, yeah, and I feel real bad because you know we got a new offensive coordinator after that '98 uh, season, and Randall, for whatever reason, he just wasn't able to catch the offense, and that kind of led to uh, the the uh, downward spiral of his career because Eddie um, or um, uh, Jeff George came in. That's when he came in to fill in for him. But Randall Cunningham, man, what he meant to the league in his heyday, Rashad, um, you know, it, he was just magnificent. Yeah, um, that 98 season, man, that Minnesota Vegas team may go down as like one of the top five 
best NFL teams not to win a championship. I mean, there's your next book, brother. <laughs> huh? I was saying, there's your next book. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that, um, about the best NFL teams not to win a, um, a championship. I think I have that on one of my projects that I'm going to do for the NFL book. So you, you know, great minds think alike. Yeah, I, I was going to do a book like that later on. I do have that in my um, projects of what I'm going to do, the best NFL teams never to win a championship. And the Vikings definitely was a team that was 15-1. Randy Moss was doing his thing. He was a rookie, Chris Carter, Jake Reed, you know, Robert Smith. He threw 34 touchdowns, Randall Cunningham. That was his best season. They were 15-1. and So, overall, he threw for 207 touchdowns in his career and 29,979 passing yards. So, you know, he did his thing, um, Randall. But I think he's underrated. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he was definitely a good quarterback. Yeah, very well said. All right, well, let's, um, as we're kind of, Getting towards the top ten here with uh, Rashad Mitchell, uh, a couple guys I want to talk talk about here um, are number twelve and number eleven, and you know we'll speak on Jack Kemp real quick. But because of kind of who he was and what he did outside of football, um, you know, and uh, one of the few Republicans actually who who tried to help some uh, black folks during the day. But let's talk about Jack Kemp, the football player, and what he meant to the Buffalo Bills because I see you got some very uh, interesting stats here in your book that uh, you should probably share about him. Yeah, Jack Kemp, um, before Jim Kelly, there was Jack Kemp. Yeah, it was just Jack Kemp for Buffalo football. Yeah, um, the thing about him is that he's a seven-time AFL All-Star a two-time AFL champion. Um, he ranks third in rushing touchdowns by an NFL quarterback or AFL quarterback behind, no, with 40 behind Steve Young and um, Otto Graham. So he played in five AFL title games. He holds the record for you know, career passing yards, passing attempts, and completion. So this guy you know, did his thing as a Buffalo Bill. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now, let's talk about Phil Sims. I got a lot of Giants fans that listen out there, Rashad. And, you know, Phil Sims goes without saying, you know, very popular player in the Big Apple. Um, you know, their team's won, champion, won a couple championships. But, you know, why don't you tell people kind of why you think Phil Sims is actually underrated? Yeah, he's, he's a prime example because, number one, in Super Bowl 21, he played the greatest quarterback, you know, performance ever history. He completed 88% of his passes, 22 out of 25, 268 yards and three touchdowns. He was adorable. He was tough. You know, the game that stands out in his career also was a game in the regular season in 1986 season where he threw uh, fourth down at 17. He completed a pass to um, Bobby Johnson, wide receiver, against the Minnesota Vikings at the uh, Metrodome. Yeah, that name, yeah, there's that team again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that game. Um, in Minnesota, yeah, it was on 4th and 17. And he made a, a, a memorable, pay, you know, memorable play just throwing that ball and completing that pass. 
to um, Bobby Johnson. Not a big name receiver, but that set up a field goal where they end up winning the game um, by a score of 22 to 20 was the score. So, I mean, that that was just, you know, Phil Simms at his best in the clutch. Yeah, Phil Simms, I mean, before Eli Manning, obviously, it was Phil Simms, and he won a couple of Super Bowls, two-time Pro Bowlers. Um, he threw 513 yards in 1985 against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was the fifth most passing yards in NFL history. He threw 513 yards. And obviously, I mentioned the fourth and 17 conversion against the uh, Vikings in 86. Right. I yep. mean, it's just that, you know, that was just how great he, you know, was in the clutch. You know, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He didn't wipe with the numbers. You know, he threw 199 touchdown passes, 21 career, 300-yard games, and 33,462 passing yards. So this guy, you know, made his mark as a giant. You know, he, he's truly a great giant, but not in the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, I think he's underrated without a doubt. Yeah, and definitely a member of the Giants Hall of Fame. So let's get into this last 10 here. Um, we're towards the last part of our interview uh, with Rashad Mitchell and his book here, The 50 Most, or excuse me, the, there I go again, The Top 50 Underrated NFL Quarterbacks of All Time. So let's finish the top 10 here because uh, this is, again, talking about an example of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, in Rashad's opinion, who are underrated, along with some people that you, uh, I know the younger kids probably haven't heard of, but number 10, Dave Craig from the old Seattle Seahawks. Number nine is Bobby Lane. Number eight, the late, great Steve McNair. Number seven was Burt Jones. Number uh, six is Boomer Esiason. Number five, Terry Bradshaw, who we all know. Number four, the man calling the game right now is Troy Aikman. Number three is uh, one of my favorite players back in the day, Kenny Anderson with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, one of the all-time legends in the NFL is Bart Starr. And number one on Rashad's list is Otto Graham. And we'll touch on him in a minute, but let's back this up a little bit here. And we'll start, well, let's start with... um, you know, uh, let's touch a little bit on David Craig, um, you know, because that's a name that maybe I know a lot of these younger guys, Rashad, have not heard about. Why don't you just speak a little bit before we get into some of these more famous names in the top 10? But Dave Craig was a really a, a, a pretty good quarterback for Seattle. Yeah, um, Dave Craig before Russell Wilson, there was Dave Craig. Um, this guy was one of the most prolific passing quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, um, he still ranks among the all-time top 15 in most passing categories. Um, he has a, had a 98-77 and 77 record, um, almost won 100 games in his career, uh, which is uh, 15th all-time amongst NFL quarterbacks, his 98-77 and 77 record. His signature moment as a, a quarterback was against the Kansas City Chiefs on November 11, 1990. When um, Derek Thomas sacked Craig seven times, but Seattle still had an opportunity to win the game. I remember so, that. Yeah, that was crazy. To make a story short, Thomas, Derek Thomas got almost got an eighth sack on Dave Craig. So Craig eludes Thomas, and then he throws a 25-yard touchdown pass 
to wide receiver Paul Scancy to win the game as time expired. So that was like his, that was to me his greatest moment as a, a quarterback to, to pull something like that off. And that's, you know, a testament to his toughness. You know, he got beat up, you know, got sacked a lot. Yeah, he, he sure did. Yep, he I think really he got did. sacked nine times in that game, but either way, seven of the times he was sacked, it was, you know, from Derek Thomas, who was a great linebacker himself. But he right. still won the game despite getting sacked. They still won the game with that touchdown pass to Paul Scancy. So, you know, he threw 261 touchdowns. Um, he did his thing, you know, Dave Craig. There's yes, no he did. Say it, man. This guy was one of the, all, you know, the underrated quarterbacks in the 80s. Very, that is very true, very true. And, you know, speaking, uh, going from one kind of tough, uh, tough guy quarterback to another, you know, there's Steve McNair. I mean, what can you say about him coming out of Alcorn State? Um, you know, became Mr. Titan, in my opinion. Um, I, You know, it was really too bad because I was a big uh, – I, I wasn't a big Houston Oilers fan, but I liked the team being in Houston before they moved. But Steve McNair, um, you know, uh, rest in peace himself. But, man, he did a lot of phenomenal things. Came, a, a you know, a yard and a half away from being the Super Bowl champion quarterback himself. So let's touch on him. He's at number eight on your list, Rashad. Yeah, Steve McNair was tough as nails. He wasn't a flashy quarterback, didn't put up gory numbers, but he's known for his toughness, you know, the ability to, you know, play in pain, and he definitely exemplified that in the NFL. Um, Fifteen touchdowns he threw in 1998. Set career passing, you know, numbers of 492 attempts, 289 completions, 3,228 yards for the Oilers at the time before they, yeah, no, because they used to be the Oilers Houston before they moved, moved to um, Tennessee. Right. Obviously yep. led the, you know, the Titans to um, Super Bowl 34. And, um, yeah, he came very close. You know, when he passed the ball to um, Kevin Dyson, man, Kevin Dyson almost, you know, scored, but Mike Jones, linebacker, wasn't having it, so he um, tackled him. And then, uh, you know, they ended up winning the Super Bowl, the Rams. In 2003, he became the youngest player, McNair, to pass for 20,000 yards and run for 3,000 yards. And, wow, um, okay. Yeah, NFL history. That's for his career at that time. And, um... In 2012, according to Football Nation, McNair was named the 35th greatest quarterback of the NFL's post-merger era. So that's high praise right there. Very high praise. Yeah, so he he was a good quarterback. No, he wasn't a great quarterback, but he was good. I think what stands out with him is that he's just so a tough guy. No, because he he took a lot of hits. But he kept moving forward, kept doing his thing. Took a lot of punishment in his day. Yeah, yeah, he still kept playing. He was durable. So, you know, yeah, he definitely an underrated guy. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, you, when you do the stuff that he did, he didn't have the best wide receivers. He had no big name wide receiver. He had Eddie Jones in the backfield, Frank, Frank um, Wycheck. But he was not blessed with, you know, a Hall of Fame. I think he played with Derek Mason. Correct from wrong, Derek Mason. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he was a good court. He was a good uh, wide receiver. You know, I get. I I think he was the best wide receiver. Probably, you know, could be a Hall of Famer because 
you know, I did write a book called The Wide Receivers, the Top 50 Underrated uh, Wide Receivers, but i get to that another time. But um, Derek Mason was probably like the guy that was close to being like a Hall of Fame type because you look at his numbers, man. He, he definitely, you know, did his thing. But but at the same time, I just think that um, without question, um, McNair was, was a good quarterback to come out of historically black college. So it's similar to, um, you know, Doug Williams. Yeah, absolutely, yes. He had to pay. He was like that in that lineage, coming from a, a black college and, and being successful at a black college. You know, he could he came close to winning, you know, another a Super Bowl along with Doug Williams. But, yeah, Steve McNair was a good quarterback. I mean, he's tough as they, as they come. Okay, and you know, as we're wrapping up the list here, folks, we got Rashad Mitchell on the phone line here. And again, you're listening to Sports Done Right. You can listen to our show every Tuesday night on Spreaker.com. And again, this is Rashad Mitchell, and we are wrapping up the top 50 most underrated quarterbacks in history, according to his list here. Now, Rashad, as we wrap this up, there's two people I want to talk on here. And again, folks, just to kind of give you the top five, number five is Terry Bradshaw, four is Troy Aikman, number three is Ken Anderson, number two, Bart Starr, number one is Otto Graham. Um, I want to touch really on Terry Bradshaw here because of his fame post-football, Rashad, I mean, everybody knows him. He's doing commercials. He's doing TV. He's all over the place. He has endorsements all over the place. You know, and people think of him being on those, you know, the Steelers teams, the four Super Bowls. So why, I guess, is the question, at least, you know, from from your perspective, is he an underrated quarterback? Absolutely. Terry Bradshaw is the epitome of underrated quarterback due to the fact that look who he played with. You know, the supporting cast. When I think of the 70s Steelers or the 70s, the one thing I think about is their defense. Steel curtain, right. That overshadowed Bradshaw and his production. Now, he did great things, you know. He threw that, you know, immaculate reception. You know, the immaculate reception. reception yeah, but Franco yeah, Harris. That, yeah, he threw a clutch to touchdown pass in Super Bowl 10 against the Cowboys. It was 64 yards to Lynn Swan, and he took a big hit by um, defensive tackle um, Larry Cole of the Cowboys. So, he was tough, and but he was like that, you know, poor man's Brett Favre because he – Yeah, interesting. He was a gunslinger. You know, he threw a lot of interceptions. He threw, I think, 210 interceptions. Right, yeah. And yeah. 12 touchdowns. So this guy was a gunslinger. He had a – he's a poor man's um, Brett Favre because he, he, he didn't mind – putting the ball out there. He didn't mind that, but he did his thing. Hall of Famer, obviously. Um, he uh, won two, you know, two Super Bowl MVPs, three-time Pro Bowler, four Super Bowls, no question about it. You know, he's one of uh, two quarterbacks that went back-to-back Super Bowl MVPs, and he was the first quarterback to win um, three and four Super Bowls. He won three Super Bowls, and then he became the first quarterback to win four Super Bowls. So right. he did know a lot of first but at the same time he gets overshadowed and also in Super Bowl 14 he threw um a touchdown pass to John Storworth when um 
Steelers was losing that game, you know, 73 yards. Touchdown, um, a guy like um, John Starworth. So, yeah, to me, I think I just think that, you know, Bradshaw was just overshadowed by a lot of, you know, the, the great talent that you had around him, whereas Franco Harris, Rocky Lyre. Yeah, I mean, you, you can go on and on. Yeah, that defense, man. Yeah, L.C. Greenwood, Mean Joe yeah, Green. Mike, Mike. Yeah. On and Lambert. on it goes. Yeah, yeah Lambert, man. Jack Ham. Ham, Andy Got Russell, Mel Blunt. Yeah, Mel Blunt was a was the Tommy man back Shell. there. Um, even had Tony Dungy back there for a minute, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that, he had so many great players, and, it, you know, you get overshadowed. I don't think, he, he, again, when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks, even he is not going to be mentioned. They're going to talk about somebody else other than him. I think that's that's fact. I mean, I don't think, you know, in discussions about the greatest quarterbacks, they don't talk about Bradshaw because right. he didn't put up big numbers. He played on a great team. He had great players around him, and he was overshadowed by the steel curtain. Yeah, that's a very good point. Okay, well, let's wrap up the list here. Let's talk a little bit about number one, Otto Graham. Uh, you know, older player, so not a lot of people are going to remember him. So why don't you take a few, uh, take a couple minutes, Rashad, speak on him, and then when uh, we get done talking about Mr. Graham, we'll just kind of wrap things up and we'll tell people where they can get a hold of you and find your books and, and get copies of your books. So let's talk about Otto Graham. Yeah, Otto Graham might be the greatest quarterback nobody knows about. You know, he was before his time. He played 10 seasons with the Cleveland Browns from 1946 to 1955. Went to 10 championship games, won seven of them. Um, that's the most by any quarterback, I think, right now, seven um, championships. And um, here's what it is. This guy, what was the record for career average yards game? Per pass attempt with 8.98. Um, as a starting quarterback, he holds the record for the more highest winning percentage in his career, 0.814. And he's one of two players to win championships in two of the four Ameri- major American sports. A four-time Pro Bowler and on the All-Decade team for the 1950s and a three-time MVP. He went to the Hall of Fame in 1965. You know, he threw 174 touchdowns, um, threw 23,584 passing yards, and he may go down as arguably the winningest, the winningest quarterback in pro football history. I mean, that's how great this guy was. But he is—he's definitely the epitome of underrated. I mean, if you don't talk about him, when you talk about the greatest quarterbacks, they're not going to mention right, Otto, yes. Otto Graham because he played, you know, a long time ago and. As time goes on through the passage of time, you're gonna get lost. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get lost. That that's that's natural. That's natural for anybody in, right. in sport. 
<laughs> well, Rashad, very well said. And, you know, that's the reason I wanted to get you on my show as well, because I think what you did, and to give you some props for putting this list together here, is I think you did an excellent job in kind of the age where, you know, like ESPN, I think they've been coming out with some lists in basketball, and there's been a lot of questions there because a lot of the people felt they haven't been given due to the older players. You definitely have done your research on this book. And, if you know, to the people who hear our voices out there, um, you know, get a copy of this book. Um, check out Rashad's other books as well, because um, they are very, very interesting, very entertaining as well. But this book was really, really put together. Good facts. And I'm very happy that you came on, Rashad. Why don't you tell people here um, how they can get a hold of these books and uh, get a hold of you? And also, what do you have coming down the pipeline for um, other titles and other books uh, down the way? Okay, um, well, first you can find me at uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook at um, you know, Rashad Mitchell on Facebook. Also, I am on Facebook. I have Rashad Mitchell's books. Matter of fact, you visited that today, did you? Yep, I sure did. I sure did. And, yeah, definitely make sure you, ch you check that and like that page as well because uh, that has all the information for Rashad's books on there also. Yeah, and um, I write for Gyroscope Media Group magazine. And um, that's the magazine I write for. I write cover stories and I write, um, you know, blogs that deals with history. And uh, those are kind of blogs, the majority of blogs that I write about. And um, you can check that out, support that. Or go to gmgmagazine.weebly.com. Um, you know, of your choice, you know, those who are listening like that, you know, magazine that I write for, to support that. Um, my books are all on Amazon.com. Also, um, I have a Twitter account. If you want to follow me on Twitter? It's Rashad Mitchell at Rashad Patterson. Also, you can um, go to the address bar on um, you know, type in an email. I mean, type in um. The web address, you can type in twitter.com forward slash Rashad Patterson. So if you want to know, check that out. Follow me on Twitter. Follow what's going on with me. You can do that. And uh, that's basically it. Um, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, have, I do have my own website, um, www.mrrashadmitchell.weebly.com. That's M-R-R-A-S-H-A-D. M I T C H E L L dot Weebly W E E B L Y dot com. You can you know check that out because I have most of my books on there. But it's not a whole all the books, but it's some of the books. But um, I'm just definitely you know representing myself best way I can to get it out there and hopefully. Um, also, um, how how's your audience? How big is your your audience in Minnesota and all over the over the country? Well, we're we're a growing show. I just started this podcast a few months ago, Rashad. Uh, we do a live show usually on Tuesday nights, seven thirty to nine thirty Central Time, and we're kind of tied in with uh, Doug Stewart and um, uh, his. Not so much uh, doing anything through Stewart Media right now, but uh, we're kind of tied in with his audience, so we get a lot of crossover there. Um, a lot of uh, people who listen to the Doug Stewart show have started podcasts like myself. So we're kind of in this big circle here of uh, people who love sports, who love to talk about it. 
and who come at it from a primarily uh, African-American point of view, but, you know, like to talk about a number of topics. So, um, you know, the show's growing and, you know, by getting good people on here like yourself, you're definitely going to help us grow. And, uh, you know, I hope the best for you and your endeavors as well, sir. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, you said I have, uh, you want to know about the books that I have. Well, actually, um, yes. I got two brand new books out right now. Um, oh, okay. What are those? Yeah, the top 50 underrated NFL tight ends. Oh, okay. You know, Rashad, we're going to have to have you back here because there are a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, lists and books that you've put together. I mean, we could be here for hours just on this book alone, but I'd look forward to having you back because, yeah, that would be another one that we'd like to hear about. Yeah, and I have another one. I got two new books out on um, the top 50 underrated NFL offensive linemen. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm gonna start. Okay. Tomorrow I'm gonna start a new new book called the uh, Top 50 Underrated Defensive Linemen in the NFL. So that's gonna be good. Every, I mean, it was just gonna cover like different positions. I'm not gonna mess with the fullbacks or place kickers or anybody sure. on special teams. But I got three more to do in that. As far as breaking down the, the best, the most underrated at certain positions. You know, I, I'm gonna do the defensive linemen, the linebackers. As well as the cornerbacks, and then every year, then I move on to some other stuff that's dealing with the NFL, that's oriented with the NFL. So, yeah, man, I got a lot of good stuff coming. Check it out on Amazon.com. Yeah, um, those two new books, I, no, I just came out. Um, they just out. They brand new. All right. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on you there, Rashad. We will be in touch. And uh, we love to, uh, you know, talk to you going down the road here and especially want to have you back when you get your new books done. So, again, Rashad, thank you very much for coming on Sports Done Right. And uh, I wish you a happy MLK Day. And um, thanks again, sir. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I'd love to have the link for the interview because this was a great interview, one of the best I've had in uh um, you gonna send me the link? Uh, what, yes, abs- Yeah, absolutely. Yep, we will get that link out to you. And um, yeah, take a listen and share it. And yeah, because I thought you know you did a great job. And like I said, there's a lot of great information in your book. So you made it easy, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, be on your show, and uh, I'm definitely gonna be on there, your show even more. Absolutely. because I think it would go this long, but. It was all worth it. You know, you went through mostly the whole list for the most part. Yeah, I think you went through right. all of it. Yeah, but which is good. But, you know, hopefully people give appetite of what I'm talking about. And just, it, it's just not for everybody. It's for people that love NFL history. And that's what it's all about, just spreading my knowledge to your audience about history. That's the calling. And that's that's what I really appreciated, too, about your book. Because like I said earlier, uh, Rashad, you know, I, I grew up coming through the 70s, and but it's had knowledge about players going back into the 50s and 60s. And it's nice that uh, an author like yourself remembers some of those players as well. So, again, thank you very much, Rashad, for coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. All right, folks. That was Rashad uh, Mitchell, his book, The Top 50 underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. That was a lot of fun. Uh, We went a little bit longer, but we had to kind of get into some of these here. So thank you very much again for listening to Sports Done Right. 
Um, lots of good things coming down here. We're gonna, we're, yeah, we are working on the Sports Done Right website, so we're trying to get that up and running. Should be coming up soon. But again, thank you for listening to this interview, and we'll be back to Tuesday night, the live show, Sports Done Right. Keep it tuned here on Spreaker.com, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sports Done Right. Tune in and turn up every Tuesday night, 730 Central on Spreaker.com. Search Sports Done Right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T Right. Hosted by Vince Wright, the governor of Minnesota Sports Talk. It's about time you got your sports done right.